The Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 13. We hire a new guide. Hours later, my raft washed up at Camp Halfblood. How I got there, I have no idea. At some point, the lake water just changed into salt water. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Halfblood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. That's good. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank she you so an- much. <laughs> <Good work. laughs> Stunning work. She is an audio bookstress. Excellent. <laughs> bookstress. <laughs> Not this. Okay. Bookstress does sound like a very cool title. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. I, I, um, <laughs> anyways. Welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we will be discussing chapters 13 and 14 of Battle of the Labyrinth. We hire a new guide and my brother duels me to the death. Look, I pulled up this the spreadsheet this time. So I'm proud of you. Uh, through the theme of trust. And this week we are joined by a very special first-time guest, Matt Williams of the Fandom Encounters podcast. Matt, can you introduce yourself for us? Yes. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, like Braden said, my name is Matt Williams. I run Fandom Encounters, which is a D&D podcast that uh, brings the worlds of fandoms that we know and love to life using like the rules of D&D as a way to explore them. Um, our longest running and my personal favorite, don't tell anybody else, uh, campaign is our Percy Jackson game, which is just wild and fun and full of hijinks. And we're like 120 episodes in at this point. Uh, it's a blast. Wow. Matter of respect, you know. That is, that's <laughs> so a, many episodes. a lot of episodes to get in. Yeah. So much editing. Oh, I'm so sure. <laughs> All right, and in the tradition of this season, uh, <laughs> this new thing, that way of what, how we've decided to torture our guests, uh, we would like to ask Matt to give us a 30-second recap of these two chapters that uh, we have read this week. It is a challenge that very few have, have bested. Um, yeah, we're all bad at it. was... Flawless. It was a masterpiece. It, he was really good, right? Like a little mm. disconcerting. Like, <laughs> like how- we've been doing this for four seasons and we are still like very bad. <laughs> I feel like just so much always happens and it's so easy yeah. to get into the weeds. It's true. Oh. Especially this book. Wow. I, oh, I always get stuck on something stupid, like some small detail. I'm like, Me and Nico was wearing a scarf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 seconds to describe said scarf. It's important, yes. I promise. <laughs> All right. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Percy attends his own funeral. Annabeth is rightly angry. Quintus is gone. Uh, Percy has a dream about Minos being killed for Daedalus's sake. Um, Annabeth and Percy go to New York where they meet Sally Jackson, who is a complete treasure, in order to find Rachel, who can guide them through the labyrinth using the gift of seeing through the mist. She is a robot. It's no big deal. They go into the labyrinth. Rachel is able to get to the arena where he has to fight people, and then Mrs. O'Leary comes and saves the day. Time's up. A panic that was the solid. That was really good. I like you were very steady in it and like getting it all done. And it's, it's yeah. that last five seconds where I'm like, and little, 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 but it's, it's always 
I think that that should be our slogan for like the entire, like our entire show is Sally Jackson, complete treasure. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Just delightful. We love that woman. I we love really do. to get three pages with her in it. It makes <laughs> the rest of the book so good. She really, oh, just, whenever we do like final rounds for like um, who gets the most offerings, she's always like somehow towards the top, despite the fact that absolutely. she's won the, in the book for like three seconds most of the time. <laughs> but uh, this, the Jackson household is always just a safe haven where it's like, oh, we're good. Nothing bad yes. can happen here. This is just fun. Yeah. Sally Jackson, Paul Blowfish. Blowfish. <laughs> yes. Estelle, yes. Estelle Jackson, I think, in Charles Apollo series. Yes, his little sister, who I've never actually read about, but I've just. I also haven't read that series. Operated a social. <laughs> I've simply o- operated a social media for a Percy Jackson <laughs> podcast long enough that I, I've, I've got a little bit spoiled for me. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. But yes. All right. This was my week to pick music and I, it took me a while. It took me about a good like 45 minutes to, to figure this one out. Wow. I think there's some really interesting unexpected choices, which are not the directions I went in to begin (laughs) with. I was looking for some like early 2000s, 90s, like rock stuff. And then I did not end up there at all. Um, So my first song is Back in My Body by Maggie Rogers. Um, specifically for the the it's I feel like it's kind of a transition song uh where Percy like comes back off the boat and I feel like kind of like a slow motion montage where Percy Percy arrives they're having the funeral he gets there and then Annabeth sees him and they have their whole moment but like the lyrics are like uh I'm like ready to fight now I'm back in my body it just it feels very good for like oh Percy's decided he's gonna commit to this cause and this is like, it's it, this is the emotional climax of the book. This is not the actual climax, but this chapter is the emotional climax. Um, and so I thought that worked well. And then very unexpected. So I was focusing on the fight scene, the big fight scene. Um, I already forgot his name. I literally just finished reading the book, but it's In, not. Anteus? And yeah, Anteus, Anteus. Something, something. something like that. Yeah. It's all the giants and cyclops have names that I can't pronounce and therefore forget. But their fight scene. I was looking for some sort of like rock song to keep up the the I think Dance Dance was one of the ones from <laughs> from last season that fit really well. Um so I couldn't use that again. Uh, <laughs> I ended up with Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. That's a fun choice. Which was unexpected. I think it's a little ironic, and I think it works if we 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 play the whole fight scene as like more of a montage moment <laughs> than. Uh, <laughs> but I think it works, and I I wanted to get that like the relationship to the earth and the ground in there, yeah. and he has the higher ground, Anakin. <laughs> and it's a fun play because Anteus has the higher ground and it does not go well for him. Yes. Spoiler alert. 
he dies. Yeah. If you listen to this before reading the chapters, sorry. Yeah, we're a spoiler heavy podcast. Like we're we're very very loud. Literally about first season, like Lightning Thief, we were like, so when Luke turns evil, yeah. like, talking so openly about like things that happen books later. It's like when Luke turns evil and then dies at the end of this book series. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But I think our. I think we know what we're signing up for here. I did do the math the other day, and our podcast is is longer than the audiobooks. So if you're committing to listening to to this, I'm sure you've already read it. <laughs> Wait, that's a little. <laughs> that's funny. a lot of. That is really yeah, funny. It's it's pretty comparable actually, but it really depends. We have some like 45 minute episodes, some hour and a half. Depends how much people get us talking, and <laughs> well, there's commentary that. missing from the audiobook that, like, how <laughs> exactly. they they don't dwell. They like, you have to read between the lines to talk to see how great Sally Jackson is. Yeah. Whereas exactly. you guys have the time to talk about it at length. Exactly. And we do. <laughs> and we do. Excellent. And in terms of talking about it at length, what did we forget from these chapters? Right out the gate. Like, I say this every week, but I forgot so much of this book. So I think I book. kind of forgot everything. Yes. <laughs> I'll be very real. Yeah. Like, even like I read it and listened to previous episodes. It was just like, I forgot that. And I reread it like a month ago. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I'm trying to think of specifics, but like all of it. This is a weird thing to forget. There was this like one line where Beckendorf was like, yay, Percy was back. And I was like, I forgot they gave Beckendorf anything to do before they just killed kill him yeah. off. Because it is kind of a, a cheap emotional kill off at the beginning of the next book. Yeah. Because they don't really lay grounds of friendship. But I, I think he went back and he was like, this one line, because I'm going to kill him. And I just need, I'm like, but they were friends. Yeah, I did kind of forget that they were friends, I yeah. think. Well, because Beckendorf was the only other person that, like, liked Mrs. O'Leary. Yeah. So, yeah. like, right. if your dog likes him, it's a good person. So, <laughs> you know, at least, he, at least he's a good guy. And yeah. it's, like, one of the side books. I forget which one exactly. But there's a story with, like, Percy and Beckendorf that's really sweet. Oh, and it's just, like, yes. I wish this friendship was in the book more. Yeah. If, like, it was like a cool, cute story of like, we fought the dragon that shows up in The Lost Hero. And also, um, Beckendorf is insightful that. enough to know that like Percy likes Annabeth, just like everyone else in the world besides Percy and Annabeth. Yes. Uh, okay. I think that's what I, one of the things I forgot in these chapters was that it involves like all of like Percy's love interests, kind of all at like one section of the book with like by Calypso or the Annabeth kiss. Calypso by Calypso. Annabeth is mad at me. I don't know why, because I'm a teenage boy. Into Rachel. <laughs> Annabeth is still mad at me. Why? It's yeah, yeah. He's got to be the most confused kid in the world. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know if I've ever felt as much justification for Annabeth's anger as I did in these chapters. I was so mad at Percy for about like a good hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Had to take a lap. <laughs> Set it down. Like, I'm sure we'll get more into this later, but so stupid. Absolutely a little an bit. idiot. I also like, love... Absolutely. I love whenever Rick calls out like a historical figure as a demigod. It's just like a little thing of like... Me too. <laughs> that's, that's cool. And yeah. Harriet Tubman like using the labyrinth as the Underground Railroad is like the daughter of, uh, daughter of Hermes. It's like, ooh. 
that's cool interesting yeah, yeah that one was i that was another thing i forgot too like that was really interesting to be like including i feel like we've gotten a lot of of just like old old history and that's like recent history yeah um and so uh, that was really interesting and maybe problematic a little bit but kind of cool i was thinking about it i was like i don't know how to feel about that one it's like yeah like hmm. but she was brave because of magic and it's like an incredible person (laughs) yeah yeah i am no scholar so i i will not pretend to know uh but yes anyways that was a lot of words that didn't actually mean anything I I forgot how they just they're so casual about these quests. Percy literally shows up back from the dead and they're like, oh, he's back. Go, let's go <laughs> put the shroud away. He's back. Save, save it for another day. Funeral canceled. Yeah. <laughs> we were a little too premature on this, guys. We can go home. <laughs> and it's like everyone's like happy for a second. And then like they all leave. No one, no one seems really shocked. They're just like, oh, cool. Like, they know that they cannot have nice things. Yeah. That's yeah. something they know. <laughs> Though they're also not bothered at all that they still don't know where Tyson and Grover are. No. Well, they didn't have shrouds. <laughs> yeah. Like, Honestly, though, they gave up on Percy, but they knew Tyson and, and Grover were fine. They're like, we'll give them an extra week. <laughs> They'll find their way back. Anything else that we forgot? Yeah, I can't. I completely forgot that Kelly and Rachel were such an integral part of this book. I was like, what are you doing back here again? Kelly keeps coming back. <laughs> I know. It's literally so confusing to me. Uh, they, I read their names show up again. I was like, how often do you come back into this story? <laughs> how like, do we I really all forget it was a you? one and done situation. <laughs> I know when we made those jokes about Tori Kelly in the first yes. episode, I did not know that it would become a running thing. I think we manifested it. Like I think we did that. The book rewrote itself because Yeah. yeah. They just kept showing up throughout this whole story. I really just forgot how much of a role they had, which isn't big. It just kept coming back, which was something I wasn't expecting. She's like suddenly Luke's like right hand woman and yeah. they're like Okay, like go off. <laughs> so surprising. We just need someone who could be mil- really mean to teenagers for like a like a few lines, and then yeah, yeah, forget about it for a second. I forgot that Quintus disappears. Yep. Like, I just forget his whole plot line. Me too. <laughs> I especially forgot when he disappeared. I was like, okay, well, yeah, he's got to reveal himself at some point. I think it's announces at some point. We have like six more chapters left. I, it has to be next chapter, <laughs> like somewhere in the next two. Statistically, we've got to find yes. out soon. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, the these chapters are almost like in my memory. It's like, oh yeah, this is what the book's about. And like reflecting back, like the whole middle of this book was just like they're lost in the labyrinth for a while, and like <laughs> the triple the triple G ranch. I'm like, oh yeah reading more person goes to a gg that's that's where this is 
that's where he goes. That's where he meets Clip. So I forgot it was this book. Okay, what else? <laughs> <laughs> I I, also know, I said the same thing about the Titans Curse too. That like I just remember the beginning and the end, <laughs> and then the really. middle stuff. I'm like, oh, there's all these weird little like semi plot lines that I forgot happened. <laughs> they like I think the the Lightning Thief has like very clear like this stop, this stop, yeah. this stop, and then. Sea of Monsters is kind of like that. And then the rest of them are just like a blur of how many different myths can Rick Riordan fit <laughs> into a, a 300 page book. Literally. Really? Oh, I forgot. Because this, this is the chapter with Ethan Nakamura gets introduced. And I was trying to remember back if he is the first demigod of like a non-Olympian excluding Hades that's like called out or knows their parent. Cause until the end of this series, it's just, Oh yeah. It's just a bunch of extra kids in the Hermes cabin, but it's like, no, I am a son of nemesis. And Mm. he's uh, mad about it later. It's like, is this the first one? Yeah. I think this is, I don't, remember any other technically we have met them we just this is the first one we are actually introduced to yeah because mm-hmm. technically we met reina <gasps> Ooh, that's so true <laughs> think yeah, about that she's island <laughs> think <God>. about her <laughs> a queen think about she mm-hmm. um <laughs> I kind of, I remember the the whole arena gladiator scene occurring. Nothing about how it went down. Do not remember <laughs> that he fought Ethan. The, the, oh my God, I can't pronounce things and people are going to read me to filth, but. <laughs> the, okay. Oh, I'm not going to try. Snake ladies. <laughs> Drakina? Dr- yeah. It has like the AE inside of it, yeah. which has thrown me off Dr-Kine. forever. Yeah. Dr-Kine. Snake ladies. <laughs> Snake ladies. Snake ladies. <laughs> but Snake lady with from bottom half. <laughs> yeah. I always get them confused with like the um, the Empusai or whatever. Mm-hmm. The... Yes. Vampire ladies. Yeah. <laughs> this is wholly off topic, but... I have been uh, reading a book this week that I'm almost done with called Women and Other Monsters uh, by, oh my God, wait. Oh no, I really, oh, Jess Zimmerman, uh, who is a fantastic author. And it's about how uh, Greek myths specifically portray female characters and female monsters um, and the societal implications of that because Greek mythology has had huge grounds in how Western society was built. Um, and also just like about how her experience in her life as a, a plus size woman has been reflected by these monsters. And it's so interesting and That's so, so good. cool. Um, so awesome. Buy it from an indie bookstore or on Libro, <laughs> uh, which is an indie audiobook place. Mm, cool. uh, because Amazon is bad even though I do listen to the Percy Jackson books off of Audible. But we'll forget that. Also, okay. if you're listening to this on Audible, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. 
please leave a review. <laughs> but yeah, check out that book. It's very good. Snake ladies were making me think of it. Uh, yeah, okay. I forgot what I distracted us from, but snake ladies, vampire ladies. Yeah. Anything the patriarchy else? that turns all female characters into monsters. Is that what yes. we're talking about? Yes, that is what we were talking about. <laughs> that was like your guys' like the last episode, and I was just vibing with it so hard. It's like, yeah. I feel right. like they deserve a second chance. I feel like we've unintentionally, like during this during Women's History Month, had very like <laughs> feminism focused episodes that is true but I, it's really like Hera came up in this book once and we won't let it go <laughs> and we will not let it go Hera deserves better Hera deserves just, so much it's a stance that everyone should take <laughs> I remember like I would say like shit like that in my mythology little elective in high school and I'd be like I don't know I think Hera gets some unnecessary hate and like half the class would be like well she threw someone off a mountain I'd be like oh my god like I, <laughs> <laughs> I sorry it just had to revive congratulations myself. you know one story yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it is a, a highly one of our more controversial opinions is our pro Hera yeah. stance we should make like a like an Instagram post that's like return to uh, Camp Half Blood's hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hair deserves better. Cargo pants are cool. Yeah. Hey, nice. you can't post that one. I did not sign on on that. I was not on that episode. <laughs> you were not, not on that episode, but Erica was your representative. Erica <laughs> spoke for me in that moment. By association, okay. you are now in favor of cargo pants. Well, you have to do them right, you know? I sometimes. Cargo pants are Because I think, like, I hate them, but then sometimes I don't, you know? I, I agree. Like, they are bad. On principle, cargo pants are bad, but sometimes. Just as a treat. Like, like as a treat. You can wear some. There are exceptions to the rules, like how this quest started off with more than three people, and now we're back. Yeah, and now we're back. Thank God. I We were getting on one of our tangents again. It, it's... Thinking about that, I think is really interesting because the they say to be in this quest, they're like, if you take more than three people, it's not gonna go well. Guess what? Doesn't go well. <laughs> they, <laughs> they get split yeah. up. Everyone gets lost. Someone gets left for dead. Yeah. Throw a practice funeral. It's like Annabeth, <laughs> you are defiant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think that's, we don't really, the book kind of glosses over this, but Annabeth must be in such a bad place when we pick back up with her again, because like thinking of the, the four people thing, she made an active choice to like go against what the gods were saying she had to do. And then in this scene, it feels like she killed all of her friends. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's and funny. there, this chap, the this chapter had the little look at how Clarice is handling Chris Rodriguez's like broken mind. It's like okay, and that brought Annabeth and Clarice closer, but Clarice has the person that she cares about that was injured by the labyrinth. Annabeth has nobody right now, so it's like that's a cool insight into what she's thinking too, because she probably okay, I'm back. Me and Clarice are in the same boat, except she still has Chris. Is it better that Percy's gone? Or what have you? And it's just, poor Annabeth. 
much like flash forwarding to Mark of Athena, this one puts it through Annabeth through the ringer. Annabeth is constantly being put through the ringer. And then like Percy's like, yeah, I totally wasn't with Calypso. <laughs> I was totally alone on this island for two weeks. Nothing <laughs> happens. I didn't have sex with Calypso. I really <laughs> promise you. <laughs> Sorry you've been through a lot, but, like, I can really promise none of that happened. Like, actually, everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah, everything was fine. Let's go talk to this other pretty girl. (laughs) That reminds me. Not me being alone reminded me of another girl. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We actually need to go find this girl. Like, it's not an option. Like, I I was just sitting on this island that I was like, this mortal girl. That's who (laughs) I need right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You remember you were threatened by her before. Now you have to, now your quest that you've waited forever for is in her hands. <laughs> I, do I to... literally think about that so much. Like I was just <sighs> thinking about it. Like she finally, my girl finally gets a quest. She's been waiting her whole life. And it goes <laughs> this much to shit. Like it makes me so upset. And like, I do have to say, Elizabeth is very mean to Rachel when, when we meet her. And it's not Rachel's fault. Stop pitting women against women. Yes. But like, I understand Annabeth. She just the amount that she just went through. I'm so surprised that Rachel was not murdered. She's in such <laughs> like a this poor girl's in such a position where she's like, so I did nothing actually wrong, but the entire world is like, hey, girly, you know what you did? Everything wrong. Like, <laughs> it's. I feel so bad for her. I just be punished believe. for things you did right. Literally. <laughs> I just cannot believe she did not hit Percy. <laughs> I think she was supposed to. She had to. I'm sure the publisher was like, you can't do this. No. Like, Rick, this is a kid's book. Like, you can't Rick's have like, one fine. of the main characters. I'll put it in Son of Neptune. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do like when Chiron's like, so, Calypso. <laughs> like, I, like, she knows where you are. I know where you were. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is like the one I'm going to say something actually insanely out, out of character. Okay. Chiron did all right in this chapter. Holy shit. You're this is right. Ava's day. I mean, like the, ba- okay, the it's bare not even that he, I think he's the best. I don't. It's just that I think there is unnecessary slander, but this is good. <laughs> Acknowledgement of a good deed. Thank I you. mean, to be fair, a turning point. Also, though, like, there we're at a point where Karen doesn't have much that he, that Percy doesn't know. So yeah, or that he can do. <laughs> yeah. Which well, well, you're doomed. I might as well tell you everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else we forgot, or should we move on to the theme this week? I would move on. All right, then we're going to take a quick break to listen to this ad, and then we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. The theme this week is trust. Where did we see trust? Ooh. I, when I saw like the theme, like heard the theme was trust. It was just the quote from Hercules. Trust. Trust is good. If, yeah. If it's good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, ooh, it is. Because there's a, there's some shadiness in these chapters that like if people trust each other, it makes it better. And they start like you can see trust starting. Like we joked that Rachel and Annabeth are kind of like, or Annabeth more than Rachel is kind of like at Rachel's throat when they first meet each other, like in the coffee shop, and just like kind of like dig, dig, dig. But the sad thing is Annabeth has to trust Rachel for their quest to be successful. And the minute Rachel mentions something to feel like that they can identify on, then it's like, Oh, maybe we're not so different. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then she proves herself like, okay, once, twice, three times in the labyrinth, like, and gives Annabeth things to like, Oh, like you physically, you can see something that we can't see. I'm a child of child of Athena. Hard to argue with empirical evidence. Sure. And she kind of like backs off mm-hmm. and it's just great to see like the beginning of trust. Cause I feel like eventually they kind of become friends and it's that, Oh, I have to let you in in order for this to go well. And it's great. Yeah. I think Annabeth has been broken a lot in her life and therefore has trouble trusting people. She both has trouble trusting people and then giving up her trust in people because it's worth a lot to her. So once she starts to trust someone, we see it with Luke and we see it in these chapters that they still like can't hurt each other because it took a lot for her to trust Luke and Talia. And so it's going to take a lot for her to realize that she misplaced her trust because she's a very proud woman uh, and she doesn't like being proven wrong in that way where she she was like, okay, I can trust Luke. And then even though everything is telling her that she can't anymore, she still does, which is is kind of beautiful in a way, but also extremely toxic. <laughs> yeah. But we see it with her other relationships too. People really have to prove themselves to her before she can trust them. We see it with her and Percy in the first book. And even through this, the second book. Um, but then, yeah, we see it with Rachel where she's like, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah. No, I just, I agree. Disagree. Yeah, no, like actually, like yes, I I do agree. (laughs) (laughs) I also I think we see a lot of the duality of trust in these chapters, where it's really important to trust other people to be able to get stuff done, but trust is a very vulnerable thing, 
and puts you in positions where you can be drowned in a bathtub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole flashback with Minos and Daedalus. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, I think that, that one's really interesting because Minos really thinks that he has the higher ground uh, mm-hmm. the entire time. And because he's a, a sexist pig bent on revenge, he's like, oh, these little girls are going to draw me a bath because I everyone is meant to wait on me. Um, and then they drown him and we all sit and cheer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. Like, yeah. Daedalus does a lot of shady stuff, but he tends to inspire trust in people. Like, those girls trusted him, and, like, Icarus trusted him, and uh, oh, the child who... He, oh, the little shit. Yes, who he <laughs> rightfully <laughs> kicks out of a building. Uh, uh, like It's like Paddocks or something. Paul... Perdix. Perdix, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, that's not Pollux, that's a demigod. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, inspires trust in people, whether yeah. manipulative or otherwise. It's like, especially him being another child of Athena, it juxtaposed with Annabeth, like, their ability, like, how they see trust is interesting. Especially because Daedalus doesn't seem to trust anyone. No. Like, at all. We don't meet a single, except for Percy. Because yeah. when Quintus gives Percy Mrs. O'Leary's whistle, yeah, that is, it's kind of wild, because we watch the rest of it, him, like, really not trust anyone. But he saw something in Percy where he was like, this little shit, <laughs> this little shit gets it. Um, and I, speaking of it, trust, I like that everyone trusts Mrs. O'Leary's judgment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because we see like Quintus is like, oh, Mrs. O'Leary likes Percy. I can trust him. Yeah, it's true. And then I think like in this chapter, we see Percy goes to visit her and like, she's like, oh, yay, I trust you. And like, it's just really interesting how Per and Percy can then continues to like decide how he trusts people based on Mrs. O'Leary's views of them. Yeah. Dogs are a great judge of character. They really are. Yeah. Even I think Clarice is still using the arena, even though Mrs. O'Leary scares everyone else away. And like, you eventually find out that Clarice and like Percy may not like each other, but she's very heroic and a strong character in her own right. So it's like, okay, Mrs. O- it's not that she's she is brave enough to stand up to Mrs. O'Leary, but Mrs. O'Leary approves of her and doesn't chase her away. It's almost like she can like recognize heroic qualities in people. I think she totally can. Yeah, that's very on the nose. It's kind of like she can smell beer. Yeah, she <laughs> probably can. She can smell like I fake quite people. Quite literally, probably can. <laughs> oh yeah, Eva. She can smell like fake people. Like people who pretend like masking fear and stuff, but yeah. people who are really brave. She's. Yeah. Wish I had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like we all need a big dog. I saw the dog in your brain like, like I'm going to say it. <laughs> I had to do it. It's kind of part of my brand. I think someone had to say it. Like, we were, we were <laughs> yeah. going there. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, what a good dog. Yeah. We also see trust in the way that alliances start to form for this war. We, this whole book is it's about drawing the battle lines. Um, and we see... Ooh... Mm, big Cyclops. Anteus. Anteus. Yes. Thank you. I just Anteus. The pronunciation is we couldn't even decide on the pronunciation of the plural of Cyclops. We're not doing it. I can't. (laughs) That we can't do the actual Greek. That conversation, as much as I wanted to keep it going because I wanted to know the answer, caused me pain. I don't think we can do it. I don't have the emotional energy. But that much to say is I, I the, the Greek is totally, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> it's all Greek to us. Ah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good resolution. Yes. I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, oh, yes. The big Cyclops alliance with Luke is very interesting because they really do trust each other in a way they're like, in the like business businessman kind of way where they're like, we both need something for each other and we both know that each other's not gonna compromise that need because yeah, it's just an interest like I, they don't like each other at all. Like we can see that Luke doesn't want to to be part of this alliance, but he knows he needs to. And it's just a very interesting reality there. Yeah, mutual trust because neither of them is like bloodthirsty. It's like it doesn't serve either of them a function to kill the other. It's like, oh, if I let you live, you can do something for me. Let's just watch some monsters kill each other. Cool. Uh, so, like, they definitely laying the foundations of trust for Enteus to just break it because it's like, mm, I don't want to. I, th- I, I think also in the arena scene, we see where distrust forms trust in Ethan Nakamura Mm. because he kind of has to decide to trust Percy because he doesn't really trust anyone and Percy in that moment spared his life and put on and honestly in doing that put Ethan's life at risk still Um, and so he kind of has to trust Percy to be able to sustain himself and then obviously he then decides to not trust Percy and then I really like Ethan Nakamura as a character I think he's a very cool gray morality character much like like Nico I guess I'm I'm drawn to the 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 gray characters but um yeah it's just very interesting to to see the the choice he makes to leave with Percy and not just be like, I will fight for you, Luke. I even though he's trying to prove himself to Luke. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Like I would kind of like how we miss out on Annabeth's reaction to Percy while well, Percy's time in Ogigia. Like what happens to Ethan from being saved by Percy to knowing like it, secrets about Percy and Annabeth in the next book that like get him the trust of Luke 
It's like, what is like, what yeah. information does he have? Cause he's already cut his eye out and given it to his mom. Yeah. Mother's day perhaps. And so it's <laughs> like, okay, he trusts so hard in like destiny that, I did this, so I'm destined to change the world. It's like, you could change the world by fighting with Percy too, my dude. Like, Yeah, yeah. I think they, I wish I had better memory of what comes next in these books. Yep. But Accurate. same, I don't. Do, Percy's like, it's like he was trained somewhere. Else. Like, do we ever like know his, Ethan's full backstory? Like, how is he a good fighter? Like, I don't know. He was like described as being like built for defense in the arena. Like it's like, it's almost just like, yeah, Percy is really like agile and good at fighting. And I'm just going to take hits and hope I can get like a sneak attack in there somewhere. Mm. Cause I think when they fight Ethan in the next book, and maybe it's both Annabeth and Percy, I forget who actually gets the drop on Percy. Like who can tell his weak spot from the uh, river sticks. And like this one, Annabeth jumps in front of the dagger. I think it might be Ethan because maybe like I think it, some, it, it is Ethan that stabs Annabeth. Like some connection to uh, like Nemesis being his godly parent. Maybe he can see like the weak spot of somebody. Yeah, yeah I think I don't. I think we inten- intentionally never answers it. And is like, did he know that that's where he was supposed to stab Percy, or was it just like unlucky? <laughs> And the same thing with like Annabeth. Did Annabeth know that was Percy's weak spot, or did was it instinct? Um, which is very interesting. But um, yeah, I I think it's also cool that this is the not the first chapter where we see Percy fight, but the first chapters where Percy proves that to the audience that we can trust him to fight. Because Ooh, yeah, we've seen scenes where he like fights little people. He does some things. Mostly, uh, strong women save him from from dying a lot, a lot. Okay. Um, but like we watch him in like three separate battles, sit and strategize, and f- like figure out okay, this is what he has to do. Because he has learned so much from Annabeth. I was just about to say that. Yes, it's the first time he fights like Annabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so sick conclusion. (laughs) And I think that's also why it's so important that in this scene, they make a note of multiple times that the Lystrionian has his hand over Annabeth's mouth. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that even though they're not speaking, that part of Annabeth and that those developments in their relationship still sit with Percy because they've had such a big effect on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like kind of cute though. Yeah. It's <laughs> it like the, the first fight scene they have in the book where they're fighting the scorp like the scorpions from Triple G Ranch. And like it's just, they described as like they trust each other so well they can fight without communicating. Like Percy knows he's the distraction, so Annabeth can slip in invisible and take it out. And yeah. like it's like, oh no, he rely. It's like I'm the I'm the distraction, and Annabeth has to outsmart them. I have to outsmart them now because that's more effective. Yeah. And it's definitely the first time our like himbo Percy has used his brain <laughs> to win a fight. And it's like you're learning. <laughs> it's true. He has thoughts sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Not a lot. 
but sometimes. Yeah. This is a totally different topic, but <laughs> I was reminded of it by talking about Animus and per- Percy's relationship because it's not really, I don't really know if we can talk about the, this is talking about the book in terms of trust. However, I find it really interesting in terms of Calypso that we have so little trust in our narrator. Like, because like, obviously Annabeth does not trust what Percy's saying. However, when we talk about this, we're like, yeah, they probably had sex or they probably hooked up <laughs> or something. And like, we have a narrator who through those whole chapters said like nothing happened. So we should believe him, <laughs> but we do not <laughs> at all. And, like there's so there's such hard line. Like we just don't know. Like there's something we don't know. And like Percy's not always the most reliable narrator. So I think it would make sense if there was something we didn't know that like they just didn't tell us. It is a kid's book. Um, <laughs> so it's just very, <laughs> like it is meant for like ages who probably shouldn't know that. So it's just very interesting that we don't trust the narrator like so vehemently <laughs> when he talks about this subject, like in the same way that Annabeth does not trust him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, I love thinking about reliability in narrators as a literary analysis tool. It's um, interesting. It's so interesting, especially because Percy, I think the thing with Percy is Percy is never actively trying to deceive the audience. He is not intentional in in what he says and what he doesn't say. He's very unintentional and he just says things. We kind of, the writing style is kind of ADHD manifest sometimes especially the Calypso chapter. And that's why I think like, we're like Percy, because it's such like a first person view, Percy can leave, can leave things out. Like unlike um, other books that are like third person omniscient, like, like the Harry Potter books where it's like told from the perspective of one character, but we can kind of trust what's going on because it's told from the outside. We just see the thoughts of the main character. Whereas first person is such an untrustworthy <laughs> uh, perspective to tell a story from. Yeah. And yeah. Percy is so distracted the entire time he's on Ogigia. Like half the time it describes Calypso, it's just like, she smells this way. And like, yeah, I found it hard to focus and all these other things. Like, well, I bet you found it hard to remember details then. Oh, points. Yeah. Yeah. Just casually leaving out the fact. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it, I mean, and the, the, not to jump to Heroes of Olympus, but Percy and Annabeth fucking Heroes of Olympus. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, I don't know what book it is. I can't remember if it's Mark of Athena or some, or, um, Last Olympian, not Last Olympian. No. Mark, Blood of Olympus. Mark, Mark of Athena, I think, where they fall, before where they, they go to Hades. Where they fall asleep in the stables. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being in like, in like seventh grade and like reading out and like they fucked, right? <laughs> just <laughs> bookmark. Close the Are book, sure? look at the camera. <laughs> like Rick an email, like Rick, like contact email. Hey, want to clarify something? Like we just, we have a question. <laughs> Especially because I think I also might be making this up. I have the worst memory, but I think like in the next chapter, then they like go upstairs and the, or like someone finds them asleep and they're like, oh, oh. And they're like, no, no, you're <laughs> lying. 
<laughs> is it Hazel that finds them? I could not tell you. I think, maybe it's in my mind. It's the funniest because she is like the most innocent of the. I was group. gonna say that would be the funniest. Like, person <laughs> oh, to find them. oh no! <laughs> like, also, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like it also might have been Leo because he would have been loud about it. They would have been like, oh, they did it. Leo would have been loud about it. <laughs> Piper would just know. Yeah, Piper, Piper just look and be like, like, yep. Yeah, she'd walk in, she'd be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they fucked. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> High fives, let's get breakfast. Nice. Yeah, let's get breakfast. Jason would just be like, ah, ah. it's time to go. <laughs> were, you clean, were, were you cleaning the stables? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I think the only other big place where trust comes to mind is with Sally. And everyone can trust Sally always so easily. Mm. She just like radiates this warmth that like every person she meets, they're like best friends with her. Yeah. I love watching Sally and Anne and Beth interact in these chapters. Me too. Aww. It's just so it's good. Just, I have everyone deserves like, oh. Sally. I wish I had something analytical to say. I just I just think it's so nice. Yes. All it is nice. Well, Sally is serving a function that Annabeth has never had in her whole life. Like yep. her yes. stepmom hated her. She got to camp and like there wasn't like not that anyone needs a maternal figure, but I feel like Annabeth wants one. Yeah. And like like Chiron is a very much a paternal figure to Annabeth to the point where then they eventually almost become peers because they have like a very similar like intelligence-based way of thinking yeah but like sally being so empathetic and understanding is not necessarily something that's super present at camp half-blood and that's where annabeth has lived for so long that's like oh my goodness this is just unconditional love for any ragtag friend of percy's that looks in the direction of her house (laughs) this is just glorious yeah Yeah. because i think annabeth has a very strong intellectual maturity and not a strong emotional maturity because no one has ever let her. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is just mean to her and she's had to repress all of her feelings and emotions in her entire life to prove that she's worth um, anything, uh, which I think is interesting. I don't, I don't trust Rick that this was intentional, but I think it's a great metaphor for this like, We've talked a lot about this like early 2000s brand of feminism where like if you are smart and strong and as much like a stereotypical boy as possible, then you are a a feminism. It's so true. You are are a feminism. feminism. No, yeah, I just saved this um, video on YouTube to my watch later that was like how Hollywood demonizes like the ultra feminine. And I was like, that's the truth. Like, I still have yet to watch it. Um, But on the thumbnail, it was like Regina George, you know, and like people like that and like um, Sharpay Evans. And like, you know, that's true. And like, I know we discussed it before with Selena Beauregard, but like once again with Selena Beauregard, like it just stays true. And then there are people like, like Annabeth and like Clarice, et cetera. And Sally's weird. Sally's like a strange exception to the rule. But I think it's because she like isn't in the age group that like is necessarily like dynamic in the book. Um, but like, or in the books altogether. Um, but it's just, uh, it's interesting to look at. Like every time Annabeth kind of does something that the early 2000s, you know, <laughs> feminism is like, 
look in a dictionary, you'll see Annabeth Chase under a picture of like, you know, you see a picture of Annabeth Chase under the definition of feminine. It's like, well, <laughs> how about everyone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Alongside everyone else, right? Right, Rick? Yeah. Right. Alongside <laughs> the other female characters yeah. who are all strong in their own different ways. It's fine. Yeah. But, but, and then, so we see Annabeth emotionally suffer a lot because she has played herself into that idea. She's like, it's a weird, like metatextual thing where like Annabeth is now struggling with the character that Rick has put on her. That's so real. Yeah. Wow. That is very meta. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like <laughs> a lot of I feel like a lot of them do that, actually. Like, I see that in Clarice a lot, mm-hmm. you know? I, th- I think part of that may also be just, like, how we, our approach to analyzing it, <laughs> and where, I think in analyzing anything, you create two realities of the text. That's um, true. Where there's the text on the page that Rick wrote, and then there's the text that, that we, as a, a podcast, as a group of people analyzing these books perceive it as mm-hmm. I do think though that like it's partially like as Rick wrote the characters and that is that does get very hard and different and subjective but I also think that like both Annabeth and Clarice kind of have like the impression that was also pinned on them when Percy came to camp um Ooh. so I think in a way it's like how Rick wrote them but it's also kind of like he did it knowingly you know so it, it it also served the purpose of like, well, like this is also how Percy sees them and like getting out of that, like just like how he would struggle to interpret either person any other way. It's kind of like they're struggling to figure out, you know, what is real in their identity just because it's from this first person perspective. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like what Neem said about trusting the narrator. Yeah, like we everything we see is from Percy's eyes, and like when he first like Clarice made an impression when they <laughs> met each other, so it's like oh no, I've decided like using the framework that I have, Clarice is the bully, and all these other layers kind of come in and just be like oh like this isn't how she was originally written. It's like no, it's not how Percy remembered her. Yeah, and you see her suffer because of it, and it's really weirdly meta, which is cool, but also like wow, yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, I can put a tinfoil hat on for a second. I've always had a feeling, like, because this is, like, Rick's first series that he got sold and, like, published. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of, like, he intended a story to be written, and then a publisher had to say, this is what will sell. Yeah. So it's like, okay, after the first book, two, three books are successful, then can they transition into being the characters that Rick intended? So like, yes, Annabeth is this, like, she's the tomboy spunky. This is, this is what girls should be. And then she can be more nuanced later as people are already in love with her. It's like, yes, Clarice mm-hmm. is the bully. Cause that's what this 12 year old can understand. Actually 12 year olds can understand that bullies have emotions and there's other things going on and they'll find that out in the fourth book. And it's yep. like, because I feel like characters a little more nuanced as his books go on it could be him developing as a writer it could be him getting to write the characters that he always intended to write yeah and it's just cool to see even this first series seeing the characters grow as like the reader grows and as percy grows it's all very interconnected if you look at it deep enough yeah that's very real Mm. yeah i I think 
we we've talked about this a lot on this podcast that the the big overarching theme of these books is capitalism but how bad it but is. that's actually not where i was going but i had to say that um is is, <laughs> perceiving, is is perceiving things as black and white and how they're out and nothing is black and white and i this is the book where percy himself starts to realize it we like the audience and the reader are, are given little hints the whole time that like maybe not everything is black and white and like the the first book sets that up as in like oh hades is the bad guy actually no it's the the cool older mentor figure is the actual bad guy and then as we go they're like but maybe he isn't even a bad guy yeah it's just it's just all about like everything's a lot more complicated than you think it is because percy a lot to do with his upbringing has to perceive the world as black and white and a lot of the world is presented in the beginning as black and white. The gods are good. The titans are bad. Uh, Sally is the best mom. Ugly, <laughs> not ugly Gabe. Smelly Gabe. <laughs> is, 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 I mean, same thing. Yeah, likely both. Is, yeah. is, is He's the worst. Uh, Annabeth is great and cool. Clarice is is mean. Mm-hmm. And then we start, start to see like, okay, but there's a lot more going on here. Yeah, I was I was talking to Brayden earlier this week because I have never read a Harry Potter book or have seen a Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah, I for, always TV. forget. I that feel about like you. I probably mentioned that at some point. Um, yeah. I read Percy Jackson as a kid and was like very dedicated to the cause, and therefore never read a Harry Potter book, which was maybe a little weird, but I didn't. Um, so my friend has been forcing me to watch all the movies, um, just like uh, oh, like over the past like two weeks or so. Um, just so I can understand cultural references. <laughs> and I was watching it with her and I was like, honestly, it's so nice. Like doing this podcast and reanalyzing these books that have like so much nuance. And, you know, like we always talk about how Luke just kind of used the wrong methods to bring up slightly good points that like the gods are kind of dicks sometimes and they're not good parents and they need to pay more attention to their kids. Um, and there's just so much like layering of things that are good and bad in these books that like watching the harry potter movies i'm like the bad guys are just bad yeah <laughs> don't need to worry about like they're just bad and they deserve to be taken down and i don't have to think about it too much i was like this is kind of nice it's like oh when True. the bad guys are a parallel for hitler yeah, exactly. yeah Voldemort just straight it's up pretty easy. Bad people. Yes. i don't have to think about how like maybe they have some good ideas they don't they're just bad people yeah. they're only white supremacists <laughs> yes. really true. the movies even dress them like the kkk yeah. very much so just in case the subtlety was lost yeah <laughs> yeah so we watch all these white people uh be racist to each other because Ca- no, so camera fun. pans in white people being snide about other white people <laughs> yeah 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 oof Oh, Harry Potter. It's oh, funny. Harry Potter. So glad that <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe wrote really good books. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he and Emma Watson co-wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rupert Grint had snacks in the same room. Yeah. Yes. yes. I will I... take this a second to, to plug. If you like Harry Potter but are sad by about the books now, you should read Carry On um, the by Rainbow Rowell. <laughs> it's very good. 
and it's queer um, and has people of color and is everything you want out of Harry Potter and don't get. <laughs> just, That's a lot. No. I guess I'm plugging books today. That's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we have some sass moments? Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Take a second. Uh, I think one of the ones I had, it's just veiled in like Percy's misun, like not inability to understand what's going on when he first comes back to camp. Uh, on my version, I might be kind of an older one because it's been, it's very old. Uh, but page 229 in the first chapter, uh, Annabeth glared at me. You are the single most annoying person I have ever met. And she stormed out of the room. I stared at the doorway. I felt like hitting something. So much for being the bravest friend she's ever had. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was a good one. You didn't get it at all, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Mine is a little uh, Percy and Clarice interaction. Uh, we might have had the same one. Is It, it probably is. Uh, Clarice was standing at the other end of the arena with her sword and shield. Came here to practice yesterday, she grumbled. Dog tried to chew me up. She's an intelligent dog, I said funny yeah that's yeah yeah i'm gonna try to find another one but that was that was the elite <laughs> one to me <laughs> i just i i like to think in my mind that they are friends a little bit <laughs> because i i like their banter they're fun yeah i think they secretly do like each other like hot take it's like from the outside like they can't let the rest of camp know it's like we get it. We we get each other, but like, like, like we'll 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 fight each other for like practice because we like like each fighting each other. But don't let anyone else know that we're cool. Like, I still hate you. Frenemies. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Um, mine is on two forty four. Um, it's after Sally is saying like, just be safe, like keep each other safe, and. It says, we'll try, Miss Jackson. And it said, keeping your son safe is a big job, though. She folded her arms and glared out the kitchen window. I picked up my napkin and tried not to say anything. It is, Percy. <laughs> She's doing it on her own. Yeah. Just the truth. It, it was just her sort of telling the truth, but it was funny. <laughs> Ava, have you found another? It's so mediocre. I'll do it anyway, though. Um, it's I use a PDF, so I don't necessarily know the page, but it's in 14. Um, and it's when Kelly has like the giant sort of like on her arm. And it says the giant licked his lips when he saw us. Can I eat them? No, Kelly said. <laughs> so simple. Yeah, it did make me giggle. <laughs> I, <cannot lie. laughs> I do. I think visual. I think your your yeah. reading of it too was very <laughs> very solid. Helped with yeah. the essence of the whole moment, you know. <laughs> the performance mm -hmm. using that theater major. I was literally about yeah, to say that theater say major the is coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, who are we giving offerings for this week? Sally. This I know. <laughs> Mine is for Sally. If you all do Sally, like chill, but I have to get it out there. 
Interesting. She doesn't come into this book, I don't think, again. So, Sally, she's just wonderful. And, like, we talked about it earlier, but her whole relationship with Annabeth just really made me smile this week. It was very nice. Yeah. Mine is actually for Mrs. O'Leary, interestingly enough. Aww. Mine is also for Mrs. (laughs) (laughs) O'Leary. I love her. She saves the day. She does save the day. She saves the day. She's a good judge of character. Yes. There is nothing wrong with this woman dog. <laughs> woman. <laughs> I, just, I, I love that she keeps coming back. You can't vote her off because she sticks around. She does. It's like, Percy can always count on her. I yeah. am happy to fall on my sword and be the hot take. I want to okay. celebrate Percy in these chapters. <gasps> Interesting. Because he's finally starting to think like Annabeth, which makes him <laughs> oh, more deserving funny. of praise. Oh, that's really good. I respect that. And I would, uh, yeah, I support that. Like, I, I disagree. I, I, we're a little harsh I, on, this, on Percy on this podcast. <laughs> so, like, well, we you are. Last episode, I think, so, was it Brayden who was close to celebrating him? I was. I was very close. Yes. I had a moment a few episodes I ago, too, I it. think. It's, it was yeah. like chapter 13 made me question it, but chapter 14 made me re- rethink it. It'd yeah, like, that's fair. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe he's like, it's a turning point where he's like learned that he hurt people and like the li- battle lines are being drawn. He needs to decide what he's going to do about like the prophecy and his friends. And he chose to come back to fight. And so he knows that he has to be the one who takes it on. And he's, st- our himbo is starting to grow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Voting off the island this week. I wouldn't normally go with something so like obvious, but Kelly has been in this book so many <laughs> times. <laughs> so I think that she's main enough, not just like monstery enough for me to vote her off. Um, I love that and was thinking very similarly. It's great. <laughs> Are you also going to vote Kelly off? I think I'm going to hop on the train because as I mentioned before, what is she still doing here? Like She's oh my also God. annoying. Like, I'm, <laughs> like I can move past the fact that she's a monster and just be like, oh my God, you again? Like irritating. <laughs> not again, yeah, not because of any of her actions, simply because of her presence. <laughs> yeah. Gus keeps showing up. Who invited you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> really? You're the one who Luke trusts? Yeah. <sighs> I mine is probably a hot take. I'm voting off the entirety of Camp Half Blood <laughs> for having a funeral for Percy and not Tyson and Grover. Oh, true. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. It's I get because Percy looked like he blew up. That's what they thought. Yeah. Yeah. But Ty- they knew Tyson and Grover were lost, but it's still like they've been gone a while. <laughs> it's like, is anyone looking for them? No. Go fucking look for yeah, them. The other person who knew they're gone is Annabeth and she's here. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Juniper? She is surely crying somewhere. Yeah, where is <laughs> Juniper? How is she doing? Not well, I'm sure. Probably I would imagine. she started this book not well, and I don't think she's doing better. She's now. only gotten worse. <laughs> I think my I'm gonna vote off the patriarchy for pitting Annabeth and Rachel against each other when they could have been friends from the beginning. You have to play Better that. Than Revenge by Taylor Swift, like quietly. <laughs> <in the back. laughs> 
which it, which ties place. into Ethan, the son of the goddess of revenge. True. I guess that would have been a good song choice for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about picking a song for that. That those interactions. One day, there's. I feel like <laughs> I have a list back. of songs that I'm that I'm tr- I will include at some point. Yeah, I feel that. I brought up uh, "Check Yes Juliet" needs to come up at some point. Hell yeah! Some point when Percy and Annabeth are fighting together. I don't know what chapter it's going to oh fall for someone, but we all need to keep it in mind. Yeah, I, I just like pop punk being a music trope for Percy. For some reason, it just fits. I agree. We, I feel like I we wholeheartedly we, agree. As we bring it back I a think, lot. I think I got my chemical romance on one of these playlists. And I that's, think you did. you did. My job's done. <laughs> you, it was, oh, it was the episode uh, with uh, the half letter report because Diego and yes, they had, they had no idea who MCR was. And I was listening to it like, Funny. what do you mean? <laughs> I think it really made me feel very old because I was like, oh my God. Like they, we've covered very... a, a lot of pop punk. To bands like we we had Chemical Romance twenty one we <laughs> more I actually As a lot we. of them a lot of them were me I definitely included a lot of them Fall As Out you Boy should. Bastille it's an amazing genre <laughs> accurate Green Day As right we've gotten like some like hard rock in there I know Pink Floyd um oh nice so you know. Yeah. <laughs> we almost got another one today, but somehow I ended up with Stevie Wonder. Nice. I mean, a that's great fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think our first jazz choice. Ooh. <laughs> Add some variety. So, actually, that's not true because I, my last time it was my turn, I think I put Jacob Collier in. So. Oh, interesting. Can he be a genre? Is he a genre? <laughs> I, I, will, I will attribute jazz because that's the closest. Sure. all right folks that is all for this week join us next week where we will be discussing chapters 15 and 16 we steal some slightly used wings and i open a coffin through the theme of guilt make sure to follow us on social media we're at return to camp on all the platforms that matter and we also have a patreon store and a Redbubble and a website www.returntocamp.com matt would you like to plug anything Absolutely. Go find us on Instagram at, at fandom period encounters for cool fan art involving Percy Jackson characters and D&D combined and watch us play D&D live at twitch.com or twitch, twitch.tv slash fandom encounters. Yes. Hey. I do have to say your the fan art on, on your account is very, very, always very cool. So <laughs> thank you. definitely check it out. Um, yes. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Get to nerd out, <laughs> yeah. nerd out about Percy Jackson. Always a good time. Yeah. Of course. I agree. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Wave to no Bye. one. Wave, Wave to, to no one. one. <laughs>